Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello! Hi Tracy, happy Wednesday! Yeah, happy hump day. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's been a good few weeks. So, um, yeah, I've been quite busy working mm. so forth. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's been eventful. What's highlight, highlight, highlight? <laughs> highlight, highlight. Oh, gosh. Highlight of the weeks. Um, it's been pretty busy, really. Um, okay, I've got a confession to make. Oh, um, it was actually my birthday last <gasps> week. So <laughs> no, tell me. How did I not know that? Confession is because I think maybe people around me know this already. I like having a solo birthday. I really like it. That's why I don't mention it until it's over. I really like a solo birthday. Honestly, it's actually. Um, I know I get to, it's a day where I really get to revel in a lot of luxuries. Um, this year I actually had, this year is one, one of the hottest days in Sydney, um, which never happens. Um, and I basically had an outdoor massage on the coast. Oh, that was the highlight. It was so good. It was honestly so good. And it's like when you, you, you close your eyes and all you can hear is the waves. And it was literally like down the road from here, from where I live. It was amazing. So um, yeah, that was really good. And I just, um, yeah, just kind of like had a really nice meal and um, just kind of watched the sun go down, people watching. It was just really nice. I really liked it. So, okay. Yeah. So when we went out, had it, had we you did. had your birthday? We did, yes. It was, uh, my birthday is a day before St. Patrick's Day. So <gasps> I was silently celebrating it was all good had a really good time and that was actually one of the other highlights is obviously you know spending time with yourself and your friends and uh, meeting your mum so I got to meet Tracy's mum so which is really nice so which is great yeah Mm. after hearing so much about Kay so it was really good oh well we had fun didn't we on St. Patrick's Day your mum lives up to her high (laughs) (laughs) she'd be glad to hear that delighted lovely yeah it was really really nice to also hear about mother's day was coming up and then obviously hearing uh, your mother's day and having your mom over which you can tell us all about well mother's day in the uk but yeah my mom was here she was visiting on holiday we went on a trip to new caledonia which was amazing it was just the most beautiful paradise it's the only way I can describe it you know the crystal blue waters clay sand it was like clay sand literally but it was really funny because we're not you've never been on sand like it in my life so what you do is you walk down the beach but but if you were close to the water mm-hmm. you'd just be walking and you'd just sink oh like it'd be up to your knee in fact my mum got stuck <laughs> oh. up to her legs I don't know why, it's just the way, the density of the sand, it's it's not even even. So you could just be walking and your leg could go halfway in. The sand is um, so soft and it's basically the sediment of it, it just you literally sink in. Because a lot yeah. of sand, the reason why it's a little bit gritty is because obviously of the shells. Yeah, yeah. And I and I, I figured out a really good trick. 
you walk relatively fast, you don't sink. Oh, okay. So it's like, wow, that's amazing. Well, that'd be an experience in itself. Yeah. It's funny. And then in the water, you could like take scoop up the sand from the floor and it was like clay. You could put it on like a little mask. Yeah, it was nice. That's, I did a little mask. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Itself. And what an experience your mum got, obviously, being from England and mm. seeing what marine life. Oh, yeah, there was turtles like this close. I mean, if you got too close, they'd swim away. But there, there was turtles and I love you know, that. Yeah, it was really cute. It sounds like a snorkeler's paradise. Yes, it was for sure. I went snorkeling, saw reef sharks. I felt like I was in a um aquarium. Oh, I felt like I was swimming in an aquarium. It's like got the coral, the beautiful coral and massive shells on the floor. And you've got like, I'm like, Nemo, Nemo. You know, I just yeah. had to say, yeah, you're in a real life finding Nemo. Yeah, and we found that little Nemo. I was like, oh. Yeah, because often just... people say that about the, um, the Great Barrier Reef. Um, but I suppose um, I can imagine in terms of that type of marine area environment is the Maldives. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the Great Barrier Reef but it's on steroids mm. it's, it's just amazing amazing yeah. you've got the sharks and turtles and the sea snakes mm. it's just uh it's a different world amazing yeah all of those we saw re- lots of reef sharks and somebody saw a dugong i didn't see it you know, well you're looking at me funny yeah, what's a dugong a dugong it's a it's a stra- It's over this way. I'd never heard of it until I moved to Australia. If you went to the Sydney um, Sea Life or Sea World or whatever it is, you'd see them there. Is it? It looks a bit like a dolphin, but it's got a hairy, funny face, a hairy nose. So it looks like a dolphin, but it's like face slightly different shape. Like it's got like kind of the body, like the shape. It's like a cross between a dolphin and a seal. Oh, okay, right. It's okay. called the. Du- I can't believe you don't know what that is. You're gonna have to Google it later. But you're you not, like you're not referring to like platypus. No, dugongs. Honestly, you're like, gonna yeah, have to look that up. Yeah, actually, yeah. You learn something new every day, so there we go. Well, they're very rare. They're endangered. Like they're really, really oh. rare to see them. So we do have them. You might see them in like the waters of Australia, but you know, rare. And we somebody saw them. So that's like an amazing sight because they're so rare. They're, I guess they're yeah. on the brink of extinction, unfortunately. So anyway, some sort of do wrong. But yeah, stingrays, manta rays. Love that. You could just sit and stare at the sea life all day. It was beautiful. Amazing. Wow. Mm. And so what amazing stories have we got this week? Well, that's my question for you. Because I missed so many things. I missed the Oscar. I missed your birthday. Well, yeah, I was here. Lots lots of people missed my birthday, but that's fine. That's all on me. But um, but like I said, it's a a solo celebration. So it's all good. Uh, There were lots of things going on, yes, whilst you were away. And one of the things that was happening was the Oscars. So I'm a big fan of the film and TV industry. I used to work in that industry. So I tend to watch the Oscars live every year. Um, I'm a, I am a bit of a fan. Last did, year, did you watch it live? Yes, I. So um, we're we're quite lucky being here in Sydney because the time difference with um, LA is that it's when it's our morning, it's their evening, oh. and so um, we get to in Sydney. Um, one of the mainstream channels actually uh, televises it live, which is great. And uh, and because we're all working from home, mm-hmm. I tend to I like with the Oscars. Like last year, I had it on in the background. And I was making my cups of tea and just looking out for all the presentations that I was interested in. And that's why last year I got to see The Slap live. Oh, yes. So I actually was watching that in real time and last year. And I remember I was sitting on my couch and I remember when it happened, I was like thinking that was not staged. And because you could just see the camera pan around the room and you could just even pick the energy off the screen. It just changed the energy in the auditorium. So that was last year. And I think with this year's Oscars, Oscars, that's the reason I think why they, they kind of gave it a lot of attention too. And it got a lot of attention because of the controversy last year. Mm. It, a, lot of, um, a lot of the general public wanted to see, okay, how can Oscars survive this? How can they redeem themselves? Mm. And I have to say... And I think it was actually, it was televised too. It's quite well known that, but, but it went seamlessly well. 
like unbelievably well. There wasn't any major hiccups. There wasn't any controversy. Um, there wasn't any person kind of just you know getting un- unwarranted attention. So it was actually one of the most successful Oscar ceremonies that they had had in history. It was it was it was a thoroughly enjoyable watch. And the story that I'm going to be picking today um, for us to chat about is from the Oscars. And it was basically, it's, it's the story of um, Michelle Yeoh, who won the, the Oscar for the best actress in a leading role. And um, Michelle Yeoh is the first woman of Asian descent, of Asian background to win in in this particular category. The article is from the BBC News and the headline is Oscars 2023, Michelle Yeoh eyes a victory for unseen Asian communities. And it's got a picture of her holding up her Oscar um, proudly. And um, the article reads, it actually starts off with a quote from her character that she was playing um, in the film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's, it's quite an amazing film in itself. And I think it, it also, that film won Best Picture, which I wasn't surprised about, um, but I'll come on to that later. But the article, it starts off with a quote from, from Michelle, and it says, is it that I can't be here or that I'm not allowed to be here? That's what the character's uh, quote is in the hit film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The wry, subversive question from a film's antagonist who is hell-bent on ending the world in which she feels unwelcome sums up actress Michelle Yao's Hollywood journey. Yao is, of course, the film's unlikely superhero, Evelyn Wang, a Chinese-American immigrant and laundrette owner who is swept into a multiverse. The role, she says, is a reflection of a battle she's fought to be recognised in Hollywood, much like the question posed by her nemesis. And it says, a quote, you want to have a seat at the table so you can have a privilege to be seen and heard. Yao tells the BBC in an interview over Zoom, what I'm asking for is the privilege to compete. Even from the day um, her character was born, her father says she's a failure because she was born a girl. It's been a long time since I've read something that resonated so deeply with me. Yao's portrayal of Wang has stormed this year's award seasons. After winning up the Golden Globes and the Screen Actors Guild Award, she is now poised to make history at the Oscars. I'm very aware that it's it's beyond me being recognised as an actress. It's a whole community of Asians coming forward and saying, you have to do this for us. Asians tend to not show so much emotion, and I think maybe it's a misconception that we don't need our stories told, which is not true, she says. It's how we tell the story that makes a difference. The audience wants Hollywood to reflect the global community. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's a snippet from a BBC um, uh, news feature which celebrates um, Michelle's win. And um, I just wanted to also basically um, show that when Michelle accepted her award in her speech, she actually said, ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. So Michelle is a 60-year-old Malaysian actor or actress. She was born in Asia and she ended up changing her name, as most Asians do, to fit in with society. So she chose the name Michelle. Mm. Um, and her surname is pronounced Yo. And, and her mum actually, even though she was always interested in acting, her mum actually put her forward for the Miss Malaysia um, contest, beauty contest, which she won when she was, I think, I'm 19 or in her late teens. And the reason why she did that was because that was the only way she could be seen on TV. It's the only way she could be seen on, on screen. Mm. She was her beauty. Mm. And then from that, she was recognised um, and, uh, and put forward for auditions for action movies. And that's when she started working with people like Jackie Chan. And it turns out, it's so, it's so strange how her, her career path has eventuated because this film that she gained an Oscar for everything everywhere all at once it was initially wrote the main character was actually a a male character the character was written for Jackie Chan oh wow and Jackie Chan turned it down and the producers and the writers um, then turned their attention to Michelle Yao and they then adapted the screenplay for this film specifically with Michelle in mind and so and I don't know if you've seen the film 
No, not yet, but I really want to see it now. It's, uh, it's, I have to say, I mean, I would, I remember, I watched it when it first came out in the movies and um, it was almost a year ago, maybe it's quite a while ago. And I remember I watched it late at night and I remember coming out of a cinema, clocking it then and saying, that is Oscar worthy. First of all, for the costumes, second of all, for the storylines and third of all, for the characters. It is bizarre beyond belief. And when I saw the Oscars and I saw the, uh, the, the writers and the directors come to um, present present themselves to and collect their awards, mm. I now understand why. Because the, it's such a bizarre, it's a bizarre concept, bizarre storyline. I can't even describe it. Oh, really? What's, it, what's the name of the movie again? Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Okay, that's the name of the movie. All right. Yes, okay. Also, the storyline revolves around the main character, played by Michelle Yao, this character's name is, I believe, Evelyn Wong, and she owns a, um, a laundry service. And she's, she experiences debt, and the story takes you on her journey about how she's managing her situation with her husband and with her daughter. And it takes you on a story about how she reflects on her life so far and how she's got to the position that she has. Right. And so in a way, it's kind of taking you back through her life and you get all these stories, these snippets of her stories of her life. And that's why it's very much a looking back and reflecting. And But it's done with such an artistic, creative eye. Mm. And that's why it's off a scale when it comes to, like, for example, the costumes. And just the whole artistic concept, mm. um, it's quite bizarre. I don't think it would be for everyone. And, and because it's so bizarre, and I watched it late at night, I actually had almost like, and I'm going to say it anyway, because it was almost quite trippy because it was, oh. it, it was on that scale. I watched it late at night and then I went to bed. Mm. It was almost like hallucinating because you just watched so much bizarre concepts. Right. In the space of 90 minutes, there's mm. so much bizarreness. Like, mm. It's almost like it's quite trippy. And then wow. when, when, so when I saw the Oscars and I saw the producers and the directors mm. uh, and, and I could see that, okay, they're on that kind of bizarre kind of elk anyway. So um, I can understand where it came from. It's, it's great news that finally the Oscars um, and the Academy has recognised um, Michelle, not just for her background, Mm. Um, obviously for her talent but the fact that yes you know we're actually getting a bit, a bit, the Oscars and the Academy are are starting to see and include actors of of Asian descent because actors mm. I think especially for the Asian community like um, the East Asian community you know they've been struggling for years I mean the journey of um, Bruce Lee for example mm. you know I mean Enter the Dragon is probably one of the masterpieces in mm. film history Mm. And you know, and it, and and the struggles that Bruce Lee went through, um, not only to be recognised, but just breaking into the industry, you know, and that yeah. was so many years ago. Yeah, and- I guess it's a surprise, isn't it? Because he's like one of the most celebrated Asian, one of the first really trailblazers. Probably wasn't the first, but the first and famous. Yeah, for sure. And mm. that was and that like the film Enter the Dragon. If you haven't seen it, it is a cinema masterpiece. Mm. I have seen it. I've seen it a long, and long time ago. And, that's, and, it sh- and ideally, you know, that was the first breakthrough. But for some reason, it's dipped. And now we're finally seeing a comeback here with Michelle Yao, who's 60 years old. I don't know. I don't know how long she's been in it. I think the first film I ever saw her in was like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon or something like that. Yeah. And she's done Crazy Witch Asians. She's I- done lots more since that, though. Loads more. Yeah. Yeah. So- She's done a lot of action films too, but it's it's interesting how, you know, someone like Michelle, who's got all that talent, has to go through so many, jump through so many hoops, as a lot of actresses and actors do in Hollywood. But age 60, you know, this is, this is, she's reached, you know, this is her highest point at age 60. I know. And actually she was in a bond. She was in a bond. Yeah, yeah, well. tomorrow, tomorrow never dies. I think with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, but wow. I, know, I mean, she's been, you know, in order to get where she is, she's had, she's changed her name. She's had to put her beauty ahead of her talent to get recognised. And then, even at age sixty, this story, this role was supposed to be for Jackie Chan. Mm. Amazing how the writers 
didn't then go and choose another male Asian actor. They actually thought, okay, well, let's turn this around and mm. split it with um, a woman, a female male character, with the female being the antagonist. And I think that's great. So, and, and that's the reason also, well, not reason, but the fact that the film also won Best Picture and also um, the film also um, won the Best Supporting Female Actress, which was Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I didn't know Jamie Lee Curtis was in that. Yeah, so Jamie Lee Curtis is in that film. You probably won't recognise her. So, oh, wow. And she that was her first Oscar also, Jamie Lee Curtis. So again, the Oscars and the Academy are really celebrating the older female. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because and that's rare. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only tiny bit of, um, not controversy, but the tiny bit of um, um, feature I saw online was a, a, a post academy reporting shows mm. and you in, in the oscars normally they show they do close-up shots of all of the actresses being nominated yeah and when it came to jamie lee curtis's um category which was actress in a female leading role one of the nominees was angela bassett um again another tremendous talented actress Right. Um, I believe she was um, uh, nominated for her role in Wakanda Forever. Oh, okay. And oh, I know who she is. She's amazing. Angela Bassett. She also played, I believe she played Tina Turner. Um, yes, she's that awesome. Was, uh, that was an amazing role she played. So she was, Angela Bassett was, it was also a nominee. Now, when Jamie Lee Curtis's name was called out as the winner, the auditorium erupted. She had a standing ovation. Except Angela Bassett's face did not smile. She did not clap. Oh, uh, she might be a bit of a. She was, might be a bit very was, disappointed. Yeah, I know. It was. A, it was. Um. It was a shame. It was a shame. Yeah. That was only. Only. Um. Disappointing. She's also in her sixties. Yes, that's right. That's right. So I mean, for everyone, I think you know, it's great. Even just being nominated changes your career in this industry. When you yeah. are nominated for an Oscar, that's groundbreaking. It's life-changing for you anyway. Exactly. So everyone's a winner. They, um, it's a shame that, that in this report, um, they, they did home in. And um, and you could quite, you, it was quite visible because when Jamie Lee Curtis, she had to walk past Angela Bassett to go to the stage and everyone else was standing. So, um, you know, it was a shame. But the good, good, good thing is not many people homed in on it. So um, maybe... Right. Maybe I shouldn't have even given it the attention that that deserved. Well, what's beautiful and incredible is that I think she's the second woman of colour to get an Oscar. So that's brilliant. Well, it's not brilliant. It's terrible. But I mean, it's Charlie Mm. I think it might be. I'm going to do a technical kind of correction there. Okay. So um, I think it was in the 1960s, 50s or 60s, when in the early days of the Oscar Academy Awards, there was actually a mixed race actress who won. Yeah. And the reason why it's not noted anywhere is because <laughs> this mixed race actress actually t- toned down her Asian background to be recognized in the industry. So I'll find out who it is, but it is actually, um, uh, and, and the reason why I know this was because Michelle Yao was being interviewed about the Oscars and she was asked about how would she feel about being the first um, a woman of Asian descent to be nominated and, and win the oh. category. And it was Michelle who actually um, highlighted this and said, I'm not the first Ah, interesting. Michelle Rio shared and she and she put it out there. She publicized that I'm not the first. There was actually another actress um back in the 50s or 60s. Oh wow. A mixed race, and she had to turn, she deliberately toned down her Asian ethnicity. I think she even changed her second name. Yeah, all- she probably was kind of pitching herself as yeah, she toned down um her even her Asian-looking appearance. Mm recognized and changed her surname yeah so that's what and that came from Michelle Yao herself well that's good that she's highlighted that I think that's great as well wow that's an amazing story and lovely and it really is important people don't understand the power of representation and I think I said I I mentioned this to you this to me highlights something I've heard in the past you know in the workplace and corporations you've got I was talking to a senior leader like you know she'd been awarded 
head of global something, right? I can't remember the exact role, but she was a big deal. And what she was doing was a big deal. And she was on the trajectory for, you know, VPs and CEOs, that kind of thing. And we were talking about her ambition and, you know, what she wanted to do and her mentor. And she commented how one of the goals was to be, she'd said she had expressed that one of her goals was to be the first Asian woman to have this really senior role, right? And her mentor, a man, had said to her, why the first Asian? Why don't just the, just have the role like it? And, and then she was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. And I was really disappointed with her response to that, actually, um, because I felt like the challenges they overcome to become that first yeah. should be recognised yes. and not diminished. And I felt that that was what, if that's what he said, her mentor, that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, I can um, yeah, because it's because even um, the idea of being the first Asian, the first um, person of color, it's the idea of that's representation. Also, is standing for, uh, and it, it's it's all about an individual who can then be the groundbreaker and uh, be the representation or representer of people who are at home. Thinking, that's my people, people who are at home thinking that okay yes well you know I can do this this is possible for me for someone who looks like me and so that's why it's so important to be recognized as not just the first but the first Asian or the first person of color or the first woman is, is because they represent that specific minority yeah and people of people of minority who are reading or watching or seeing this from their own homes can then recognize and relate um to the success and then that then creates that seed of opportunity within them and then that's for them to water and say okay well if they can make it i can make it there is a path for me yeah absolutely and i think it also has works from the other side so like you said representation so people can see what's the possibility and it's an opportunity for them where they may not have considered it before but also on this side you've got people who are um, not a minority say who are seeing that wow this is it actually makes them notice because it's it's like I've had this a white boyfriend coming to an event an African event with me and feeling like they're the only white person in the room right you feel it you're like oh so then you then then all of a sudden you have a visual of the discrepancy and it's the same kind of thing well if you've got lots of leaders who are used to seeing people like them and all of a sudden you get somebody that's a minority or underrepresented being a leadership position it makes you take notice and think about that yeah it definitely it sticks out like a sore thumb yeah yeah yeah, but also there's that, I suppose, um, and again, this could be like a rabbit hole kind of conversation whereby, you know, sometimes you do think, okay, well, it, I wonder what that person's going through in terms of like, you know, there's that, I mean, there could be lots of things around this, you know, things like imposter syndrome. Oh, gosh, let's, let's even go there because, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly the whole, yeah. the whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed the Oscars. And so, but I have to say, but um, as we're talking about representation, as we're talking about equality and achievement, especially on with women, um, one of the, uh, I know that, um, you know, there were some, um, there were some features which were on the Netflix platform that were recognized by the Oscars Academy, which is fantastic. One, of, I just want to put it out there for listeners, but if you haven't seen the film called The Swimmers, on the Netflix. Oh, you told me about that. Please do so. It was actually the most, it was for me, the best film I've seen this year by far in the last year. Um, it's a shame it wasn't, um, I'm not sure why it wasn't recognized by the Oscars Academy. It was, um, didn't have lots, lots of attention, um, but it's a tr based on a true story. It's about um, two women who are, um, who have talents in swimming um, and it's actually the story of, um, and they're basically both refugees and um, the swimmers on the Netflix platform tells the story of one of the swimmers who has ended up becoming um, an Olympian representing the refugee community um, at the Olympics. So that's what I'm going to say about it. But I have to say to the listeners, 
please take the time to give the film a go. It's called The Swimmers. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's heart-wrenching, it. but it's also celebrating. Um, it's it's all, all about right. like overcoming adversity. Amazing, amazing story. Cool. I think you've mentioned that before, and I do have it on my watch list, so that's good. Thank it'd be, you. It'd be good to get your feedback on what you think of it. Yeah. Okay. Talking about representation of women, I have, I wanted to really felt the need to go back to the story we covered in the last episode, where we talked about the first ever youngest black professor to be at Cambridge, mm-hmm. to be, you know, what is the position at Cambridge? And the way you read the article, it kind of appeared that he was the first ever black professor at um, a prestigious university in the UK, really the, the top two, which would be Oxford and Cambridge. Yeah. But I, but since then, having looked into it a little bit more, um, uncovered that actually the youngest ever black professor was actually at Oxford and it was a woman. And she had that award. She was awarded that position in 2021. Her name is Patricia Kingori. Patricia so- Patricia Kingori, a Kenyan woman, uh, was the youngest black professor at Ox, Oxbridge. We call that Oxbridge, which is the duality. Yeah, the duality of Oxford and Cambridge, Oxbridge. Um, so there you go. And I don't know why there wasn't so much coverage, press coverage on her nomination. Oh, interesting. It is interesting because I could not find any, prof- you know, not professional news, but, you know, news stories that actually from popular news sources what sort of data are we looking at what sort of year are we looking at 2021 okay so it was only a few years ago yeah yeah it wasn't very long ago Mm. interesting but anyway there's more that's good um but let's move on because we are going crazy for time so i picked this story because i love it it just tells me you know, that we're making, we're paving the way for equality for everyone. Okay. And I just love the, this idea and like, why is it not a thing really? So this is from Positive News. Positive News is a news source that only only shares positive news. Um, and often look at it to see what stories we can have that are positive, which is brilliant. So the title, the headline is Buzz. World's first TV game show for deaf people. So mainstream quiz shows do not typically work for deaf people. And a new game show is changing that and and is on the hunt for contestants. Okay, so mainstream game shows don't work for deaf people. Is that, um, for obviously, for a variety of reasons, but is it mainly because, like, for example, there's lots of sounds like buzzers and bells and... That type of thing. Yeah, I know they can't hear it. I know there's closed captions, but you know, there's a lot going on. They don't work very well for deaf people. So they're looking for new contestants and it's called Sign. I can't sign. Yeah. Sign to Win. It's one of the latest shows to be launched by the British Sign Language Broadcasting Trust, which commissions TV programs made in British Sign Language. Its slate includes drama, comedy, chat shows, and documentaries, as in the British Sign Language Broadcasting Trust, with deaf program makers involved behind the scenes and deaf actors. That's good. So the quiz shows have proved, yeah, a bugbear for deaf viewers with questions often being based on audio cues like music, answering your question, or buzzer sounds demanding quick fire answers, which lose immediacy with a picture in screen sign language interpreter. Right, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. And it's, it's it's interesting because I wouldn't have thought about that. So it's really great that, you know, you're covering it here, Tracy, is that, um, like I said, you know, I come from TV production mm. and I've not often thought about the, the deaf community with in mm. terms of quiz shows and how they manage that. So yeah, that's really interesting. It is. So, um, and actually it's reminded me of something. So. Um, a few weeks ago, you know, we had the World Pride in Sydney. So I went to the Human Rights Conference, World Pride Human Rights Conference, and I was watching some panel discussions and they had um, sign people signing for interpretation and on big screens. 
which was great. And it was almost like, you know, it's that huge auditorium where you get big music concerts. Yeah. So they've got the screens up here because you might be right up there. And often I would be looking at the, the signing because they also had um, subtitles. Um, I'd have to say, I think the subtitles were AI because they weren't great right. in converting what was being said. But you could tell that the sign, because they mouthed the words sometimes as well, it was there's a time delay. It is, yeah. And we saw that a lot in uh, the uh, COVID announcements back mm. in 2020. You know, um, every day at 11 o'clock, we would have those announcements with, um, you know, the premiere. And then there would always be uh, a sign language person next. Sign. Yeah. So. so, and then, you know, game and quiz shows, things move fast as well, don't they? That's, that's why I mentioned at the top of this feature that um, I wonder how that would work because mm. of that slight delay. Yeah, well, this is why it's telling you, you know, loses immediacy. So in response, the British Sign Language Broadcasting, whatever they're called, executive producer Gillian Peele-Kalu dreamt up sign to win. It's the first game show and it prioritises the strengths of deaf people and draws on popular games from deaf club parties and events. Just didn't know it was a thing. It's absolutely unique and different, um, said the head of operations, Carolyn Fearon. There's nothing comparable in the mainstream environment. Pedal Kalu explained how most quiz shows exclude deaf people who miss out on incidental learning. Snippets of information overheard or picked up in chat. Incidental learning, yeah. Paired with barriers of, in mainstream education, it means deaf people often lack the general knowledge of their hearing peers. So in addition, game shows are based on hearing culture, inaccessible to deaf viewers or participants. So it says that we started thinking about what a deaf game show might look like. What, what if the questions and answers were based on deaf history and culture? What if everything was delivered in British Sign Language? And what if the strengths of deaf people were prioritised? And Sign to Win has a thousand pounds cash prize, includes spelling rounds where contestants have to guess words, finger spelled in video clips, played at different speeds, and picture-led questions featuring famous deaf people and landmark deaf community events. Place to say, we're proud to have created an engaging game show which belongs to the deaf community. And it's on Film 4, so it's obviously British, Together TV, and it streams online as well. Yeah, so it'd, be, awesome. yeah it'd be interesting also, you know how we said about the delay? Yeah. So with this, with this um, format of this TV um, quiz show production, it'd be interesting to see how, it, when it's televised, um, you know how there's a delay with the sign language? If the show is going to be led by the sign language, then the voiceover, if the voiceover was delayed, so we wait for the sign language and then the voiceover comes in slightly afterwards. True. Like, but then that assumes there will be a voiceover. Yes, yeah, but, but the voiceover isn't in line with the sign language because, in other words, we'd experience the delay as the deaf community often experiences a slight delay. Mm. So, but that's assuming there would be a voiceover. There might yeah, not be. Yes, assuming there would be a voiceover, yes. Mm. Because otherwise it's like, even with like the audience, you know, in like clapping, for example. Yeah. I just think we should just do that anyway. It's so much easier for your hands. I have, I have to say there was, because um, um, I'm, I'm in contract work and I know that over the last few years, I've, um, I've had the opportunity to step into different organisations and help with their employer value propositions, for example. Mm. And um, one, in, one business I, I was in for a few months, in every meeting when they were um, celebrating some of um, the weekly success or a business being deal being made, especially mm. as they were online, or even if they're in the, in the office, they would they would always do that. I like that actually. When um I was at this conference when there was clapping, some people were doing this. So yeah. I think I'm going to do that from now on. Yeah, it's actually something, and I saw that with this particular business, and because we're a lot of people are working online, rather than um, sending through the clap yellow emoji, it's yes. better to actually do this, and because it's silent, and you can and still you can see, it, yeah. can still continue talking, and you yeah. do this. And yeah. so actually a really good idea and uh and again it was it was feeding into their employer value proposition so. yeah i think it's really good really good idea actually for virtual meetings you're right 
It's very visible when you're doing this as well. And it's a lot of a deaf community, which is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to um, mention because I was wondering, okay, so we've got this first, ex- you know, um, game show exclusively for the deaf community. Is there been any films, you know, like I was looking. Mm. Now, there's more and more deaf people appearing in films and TV. Absolutely. And so, you know, with other cast and crew, I'm imagine as well. And, but the film with the most deaf characters is a film that I watched and I'd forgotten about it until I Googled. So it was a French film, or it is a French film, called La Famille Bellier. And I watched it at the French Film Festival. And it was the funniest film I've ever seen. It was so funny. I watched it with Joe, actually. We went and watched it together. Now, what's happened is they've made an English version that actually won an Oscar as well. That's why I've heard of it before. Well, this is the name of the film in English. It's not got the same name. The oh. film in English is called Coda. C-O-D-A. Yes, I've heard of that. And yeah. it has it's won an Oscar or some kind of, yeah, it's a Golden Globe. I've yeah, it makes up to history. Um, what did Coda stand for? Like, stands for something. Oh, yes, Tracy. Yeah, yes, you're... Because I remember at the Oscars and everyone was... was, was, was yes. doing this? Yes, that's how well, I remember it, yes. Right, well, that that is the the film movie with the most deaf characters in it and it's really really good i haven't seen the english version um which i think i don't know if it's a film the english version or if it's made into a series but the english version's on apple tv and i don't have apple tv so i've not seen it um but yeah oscar worthy as well but a really good film i i i would always suggest the french version for originals but we'll see you have to watch the english and compare first but great movie and great to see more representation yeah but you get another another movie recommendation yes another re- gosh we're just doing a movie review today aren't oh, we it's good it's great yeah, it's good all right we need to wrap up soon so let's uh do a what would you do what are you ready what would you do there we go what would you do and then hendy barks there you go. Sound effect by Hendy. Yeah, sound effect by Hendy. Okay. So this is a, a workplace scenario. It doesn't have to be a workplace scenario. It could be a conversation with friends. It could be outside of work, not just inside of work. So a colleague or a friend mm-hmm. is talking about a woman who landed a big project. Okay. And they say, wow, she got really lucky. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what would you do? Okay. <laughs> I've actually had this scenario uh, outside of work. Actually, do you know what? I was I just had... about to say that. I was just about to ask, does that even happen nowadays? Yes, I've had the outside of work. Like, oh, she she was really lucky. She got this project or that promotion, and I've also had it to me by a date. And I remember getting really. How so? So we were talking, you know, we were talking about work and our dreams and ambitions. And I was talking about how I just secured um, a four day work week. Okay. And this day it said, oh, you're really lucky to get that. Now, granted, I get I get where he was coming from, but I was offended because I'd worked really hard to get that. I'd created a whole business case. I'd looked up literature. I'd gone through my calendar for a year. So I'd done so much work. And plus I'd established myself and my credibility and my value. So I'd done all of that to secure that four-day work week and be successful. And so I was a little bit put out by, oh, you're like you're just lucky. I'm not, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because it's always like, I suppose it's like, like if you flip it around and say, okay, well, if I was a guy and I said to a guy, oh, you were lucky, you don't often hear that. Mm. it's always that, that natural assumption that oh yeah you know he's uh, he's proved his credibility he's worked really hard it's well deserved and well, that's what it's all about but mm. whereas if it's a woman it's like mm. yeah that's why I'm, that's why I was surprised that it's still it's that that's still a response like it's like a woman's hard work a woman's um recognition it's down to luck it's mm. not 
know, it's not down to anything else. I mean, the reason why I say it's old fashioned is because um, that's the kind of thing I would actually hear from my mum. I hear that from my mum a lot. In terms of my own um, accomplishments, my mum was always said, oh, you've been very lucky. You've been born lucky, or that was lucky, or that was lucky you had a manager who chose you. You were lucky that you had a company that, that recognises you. You know, and and I don't really, I don't push back with my mum because that's my mum's traditional old-fashioned values. Mm. That's what she was raised with. But other people in our community, people that we grew up with, if that, that's still being said, if that's still being thrown around, it's a very old-fashioned response. It might be an older, the next, you know, senior leader says that. Oh, that's surprising. That's surprising because if it's a senior leader that says that's lucky, then they're not recognizing the capabilities. They're not rewarding based on the hard work, the tenacity that has been shown in the individual. Mm. Mm. So exactly. whether, whether or not that be said to a man or a female, regardless, if it's if that kind of comment is coming from a senior leader, regardless if it's being being um, said to a male or a female, you're not recognizing the hard work and the tenacity that has got them to that position. Mm. So outside of that, so this isn't a scene leader, it's a colleague. What would you, what would you do? I'd probably laugh. Like I did, that was my first response. I'd probably laugh. And um, I probably, I'm, I, I personally probably wouldn't, wouldn't challenge it like head on, but I'd probably say, I'd probably challenge it subtly. Right. I'm not sure exactly how I do that, but um, I think my laugh would probably instigate that. If I'd probably laugh, probably in response to that, I'd probably laugh. Mm. And then I'd probably very subtly make, I'd subtly then highlight the fact that it was my, um, you know, I've I worked hard in order yeah. to. So. Well, I, I, because I felt harmed by this offensive um, faux pas, i very conscious of that. I've said, oh, they're really lucky. I've said that about certain things, but I'm very conscious about saying it about somebody's achievements. Mm. Um, you know, somebody's met a great guy. Oh, they're really lucky. That guy's a wonderful man kind of thing. Well, I don't, In that sense. With, with luck, I mean, for me, I don't know. For, for me, luck is a little bit, um, for me, luck, I, um, I, I also connect with, um, or for me, what's behind luck is very serendipity mm. so it's like to something you can't necessarily explain where mm. two, where where items come together at exactly the same moment to create that opportunity and it's like a one in a million chance it's serendipity and that's yeah. it's all meets somebody i i often don't say oh they're lucky because um because that meeting, it basically, it takes, yes, yes, there's an opportunity for two people to physically see each other, but then it takes a lot of time and hard work and also collaboration on a, on a highly personal and intimate level to create that spark. So, um, so yeah, so in terms of luck, if someone's lucky, then um, for me, that's, I, I'd probably only say that if it's like a one in a million chance. Mm. Yeah, winning a prize or something, like, yeah, of yeah. course. Lottery. yeah use it use it in that context yeah. absolutely and and I and how I've responded to this like I said I'm conscious of it now because I was at the receiving end is I say I would comment I wouldn't challenge the person I would comment on what they said I would say more than lucky more like worked damn hard to get to get that um just thinking all all they have to do to get there it's pretty amazing so that's kind of what I would say I would just comment. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, to make them think about maybe what they said. But this is what it, it says, why it matters. Getting recognised for accomplishments can make a difference, especially when it comes to performance reviews and promotions. When achievements are attributed to luck rather than hard work or skill, it minimises them. A colleague is talking about a woman who landed a big project. They say, wow, she got really lucky. So. You could ask your colleague, you could say, I'm curious, what makes you think it was luck? That's like challenging directly, right? Yeah. This may prompt them to slow down and rethink their assumption. 
If your colleague responds in a way that suggests they doubt the woman's abilities, you might want to press more and ask why they think she's less competent. Is there a reason? Can they give an example? If not, that speaks for itself. And, what's, and why this is even in here, because it's about bias, obviously, is that, you know, um, we tend to overestimate men's performance and underestimate women's. We've talked about that a few times, and women do it themselves. Because of this, we often attribute women's successes to getting lucky, having a good team. And women will say that themselves. When they're successful, and it's good to acknowledge your team, absolutely, but to only do that and not recognize your own your own work and efforts, that's kind of common with women. Um, getting lucky, having a good team or other explanations that diminish their achievements while we accept men's accomplishments as proof of their abilities. Anyway, yeah. That is the end of what would you do? But yeah, you did. I just remembered that situation where I had that, somebody said that to me about myself and I was like, yeah, you know, it's really strange because as you mentioned that, I was thinking, because I went through, a, um, I've been through two major career changes and they're so, uh, so vastly different. Often when that comes up, I've probably had that comment of, oh, you were lucky to get that opportunity to jump across. But it's been, it might have been said so many times that I've now ingrained that I just got to wash it off now. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's the thing. But that's the suggestion. The suggestion is that that's all that was involved. Yeah. Um, which is obviously not the case. Yeah. But that is all we have time for today. Great show. Thank you for chatting with me. About the Oscars. It's all, it was very much a, a film-themed edition. It was. I have to think of a film-themed title now. <laughs> I can help you with that. <laughs> cool. All right, then. I'll speak to you soon. All right, great. Take care. See Take you. Care. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!